Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, that was perhaps not the ending to the season that we had hoped, but... You know, I said this on Twitter, but if you had told me two weeks ago that Rice was going to play both of these games against Marshall and UAB, which which was, of course, not a given, uh, play both of them, that in one of them they would get a shutout win and in the other they would have a five point loss. I would have taken that, especially if you had told me that Wiley Green would play significant snaps in those games and Mike Collins would not. Yeah, isn't that something? Sometimes you just got to take a step back and and look at the fact that somehow Rice has managed to finish three consecutive seasons with their third string quarterback at the helm in the final game, (sighs) which I, I was trying to, like, think back at other programs, notable programs that had ended the year on their third string quarterback. And I can think of like a handful of seasons here and there, like obviously Ohio state, right? They're the notable one. They went to the third stringer and won a national championship. I'd say that would be the outlier, (laughs) but, uh, the, uh, the Kyle Allen, Kyler Murray year at A&M where they ended up with Jake Hubenak. Yeah. That one was rough. That's the bowl game starter. But like, you just, Nobody gets to their third quarterback three years in a row. And with yeah, injuries, it's rough. Just... Like I was doing a uh, just for fun on Twitter today. I did a, a guess at what next year's depth chart will look like, which honestly should make you feel better, because for the, the purposes of that exercise, I assumed that no seniors would be using the extra year of eligibility because this year doesn't count. And even with that, um, they still get back the large majority of the depth chart on both sides. So pretty good. But there were definitely some position groups where I struggled to make sense of like, cause you know, there are a lot of them where you can just be like, okay, the starters back or it's like next guy up. And like, here's the guy that we saw in it. But like the depth chart was so in flux, uh, with, with injuries and, and other absences and opt outs and, and those sorts of things this year that at some positions, it's hard to be, it was really hard to be like, uh, well, this guy was the second teamer, but I don't like, is he actually the second teamer? Like if, uh, if they had everybody, would there be someone that like, I don't, it was very, <laughs> well, odd, very, very confusing exercise at this point. Last year, when we talked through the early signing period, which is uh, coming up this week, we, we talked about Andrew Mason being a really talented wide receiver that maybe we'll see. And uh, he played basically every snap that they had two wide receivers yeah. on the field in the finale so uh you know it kind of it was the, it, would that be like juma otaviano i guess the old dominion run mason didn't have that big of a game obviously this past weekend but you know that would have been nice that would i you know mason going for 200 and and two i'd be okay with that but uh we'll see yeah so there's there's a lot to get through we're we thought about doing like a three-hour show and we decided not to um <laughs> Maybe for y'all's sake or ours, we're not sure. But a couple of things just to keep on your radar. We're not going to talk recruiting on this episode. 
the early signing period coming up on Wednesday through this week. It's going to be a good haul for Rice. Currently have a top five class in Conference USA and should be signing uh, the better part of those guys this week. So we will have a full recap coming up in the next couple of weeks once we iron out our schedule on that. So we will have plenty of time to talk recruiting. In the meantime, go subscribe on Patreon. We'll have a live blog on Wednesday, as we always do this time, just for our subscribers and kind of some notes on the class and and lots of things going on. The good news is Rice had the best class in school history last year, and they're on track to beat that. So if you like the talent that you saw being thrown onto the field this year because everyone was gone and playing well, we should have more. So we'll hit that. And then I am personally excited. I guess, Carter, this is our second annual you only do you have to do it twice to make it annual or can you start at one? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever the rules I, uh, are. Well, now that there's two, now that there are going to be two, I guess we can we can officially make it annual. Yeah. So the annual roosties coming up, we will uh, have our picks for, you know, the conventional uh, awards, if you will. But we'll throw out some some fun stuff. You know, we'll go favorite play. I think last year we had best block as an award. So if there's any anything in particular <laughs> that you think needs to be uh, a roosty this year or an award that we'll hand out, uh, go ahead and, and let us know. Or uh, any any particular player or moment that you thought made you laugh or cry or all of the above. So we'll have that coming out as well. So we have plenty, plenty to go through, even though football season is over, which is sounds so strange to say after we waited for it for six months and seven yeah, months like it barely played, happened in the first place played five games i still can't get over that there's teams that are going to the bowl that are everyone's doing their bowl stuff right now and they're like yeah so this team is seven and three and this team is five and four and i'm like wait nine how you played how many games that's not fair <laughs> yeah grateful that we got to uh get through the football we did so i guess for for this the sake of this episode and, and keeping it digestible, we'll talk. Uh, I still have Marshall written here on the sheet. Can we talk about, we'll just talk about Marshall for another what, yeah, 20, yeah, 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah. I, that was good. I could do that. Yeah. We'll I think talk. everyone would enjoy that a lot more. We'll break down the UAB game and then uh, offer some closing thoughts on the season. And that sounds like it'll probably keep us busy for a while. So good and bad from the UAB game. Uh, where do we even start? Uh, hmm. I mean, the defensive performance was still mostly very good outside of like two plays. It's unfortunate those two plays resulted in touchdowns. But, you know, you can't be like as much you would as much as you would love your defense to to just shut everybody out like they did against Marshall. You know, you can't really be in a situation to be successful in the program if you're you're counting on your defense to hold every opponent under 21 points these days. So I don't, you know, a couple of those plays were disappointing. And I think you, you went back and looked at those. So I, you know, maybe you can fill us in on, on the details of those, but the, the old shut out or bust strategy. Yeah. So I don't know, not their best performance on defense, not the worst, um, not great on offense, but man, it, it, it's hard to do a lot when your depth chart, at the skill positions is just that desolate. Yeah, and I think that the craziest thing, and we'll go we'll go through all of the parts and pieces, right? But the craziest thing was the Hail Mary 
on the last, literally the last second of the game, was caught at the two yard line. So <laughs> Rice uh. was right, and I'm not saying like the likelihood of a Rice. I guess he was a tight end. I, and if you haven't, I, I I personally enjoyed kind of writing this piece of of you know after talking with with Bloomgren post game about the season, some bigger things. Go ahead and look up. I I, I kind of broke down how do you put into picture an imperfect season like this um and then one of the moments it, it, bloomgren opened up his, his press conference i'm like break this down he's like i guess i need to be more prayerful and it was not specifically talking about the hail mary it was kind of just a a, a you know an offhand comment but but it really was that you know rice came two yards away from winning a game that they probably the offensively had no business winning the defense, you know, held UAB to 21 points and Rice scored, what, four times with a couple of field goals and that that beautiful touchdown pass from, mm-hmm. from Giovanni. You know, as, as much as we maligned the depth situation, that that pass was as good as anything I've seen Mike Collins throw this year. And he yeah, had some beauties. that was the best pass of Giovanni's Rice career pretty easily, I think. Yeah, so it, it in. So go go ahead and, and go find that piece. I thought it was worth reading. And then I guess we'll start with we we have to set the scene because I think what made this how this loss went down so frustrating was the lack of players that UAB brought with them. I actually tried to start counting the uh, the bodies because it was it was difficult when they did their pregame circle. It was somewhere in the the high sixties of players that that traveled with them, and that was in, including, or I guess not including, seven or eight starters. They were down their two best running backs, a couple safeties, linebacker, a lot of guys that did not play for UAB, and that was part of it. Rice, of course, you know, no Mike Collins, a lot of guys out. And, you know, uh, Treshawn Devones, uh, we did not see George Nyquall at all, um, which was a, a bummer. We got Naeem back. but So Rice was beat up, but UAB was arguably just as beat up, if not more so. But a difference being they had their quarterback. And I think having your healthy starting quarterback, or I guess one of the two for UAB, that has to count for, what, seven or eight yeah. position players? Yeah, it counts for a lot. Which is is something that I I think, man, if you would have given Rice back back Mike Collins, all of a sudden, and, and I don't think that's a detriment. I think Giovanni had moments where he looked really good, um, but I that you, I don't know if you could tell this. I could tell Carter when Giovanni is in the game, they don't call the game the same way that they do for Mike, at least no. not yet. No, even when they, um, there was just not a lot of confidence to really go downfield with the ball, even on the touchdown drive to end the half, which was by far their best of the game, obviously. There wasn't, like, I think the touchdown was his farthest throw downfield. And some of that's a function of, of Giovanni's limitations, and some of that, again, is just a function of, I mean... Who are you going to throw to? Yeah, right. Like, you... There's a reason Austin Trammell was such an, such an engine for this team. Like, he's, he's the guy they really trust most to get the ball beyond, like, the, the short routes... And obviously they have some guys like Andrew Mason that have a lot of potential, but that aren't, you know, really guys they trust to to go to consistently and make big plays. So um, there's just not a whole lot 
in the playbook here uh, with with the depth chart looking like it did. And, you know, that's not like like I was frustrated with the play calling at times. And, and maybe there are some things they could have done better there. But like this was not going to be with the situation this team was in offensively. Like this was not going to be the same team that put up, you know, 34 in regulation against MTSU, 30 against uh, against Southern Miss. Like they just didn't have the horses for that right now. Yeah, and 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 I guess we can get big picture, but I think it was it was telling that if you would have told anyone that the score is 21 to 16, you're in the fourth quarter, you have the ball with. 60 seconds left. Wiley Green is at quarterback. Ari Broussard, former walk-on linebacker, is in at running back. And you're missing, what do you call Jake Bailey, one of your top six wide receiver options? Like, if, if that was all we knew, and you said, man, they got to midfield for a Hail Mary attempt, you probably would have taken it. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think what is interesting, and, and, and maybe this kind of, dovetails into how last season ended if rice you flip these games right you take the marshall game or you, yeah you take the marshall game and you take the uab game and and you put them at the beginning of the season and then we're like man i don't know how we beat uab without any players on offense this is great and then you finish the year with scoring 30 points a game and you have a quarterback that's throwing 10 touchdowns then i think the entire maybe not how we feel about the season, but how we feel about this offense is really different because really what we said all last offseason was I mean, and the year before was this team is a quarterback away. And if which is easier said than done, but if they get a quarterback, the, it's going to work like they're going to score enough. And they they more or less did when they had the quarterback, they scored enough like outside of the North Texas game, which had its own issues. but like. Yeah, I mean, they didn't they didn't score 30 points a whole lot of times last year, and uh, they they got to that pretty easily in two of three games with Collins, the quarterback, and um, just looked generally competent in the passing game in those in ways that they didn't for very much of last year at all. Yeah, so yeah, it's it, and it's disappointing that that they only got what they had in in flashes this season and then didn't have it all at once very much but uh, yeah you, you saw all of the pieces individually in ways that you really haven't uh in the previous two years i think so and then there was a there was a couple aspects in this game that i, I thought were, were interesting so rice drives down the field and i make sure i i have my notes on this right but they first off no points allowed in the first quarter again again they haven't allowed a offensive touchdown on the first drive of the game since the utsa game last year so they played now what was that five games this season and five games last season yeah 10 games in a row is that right without an offensive touchdown in the first drive so like it's been really good no no no, correction. That was offensive touchdown. The stat was offensive touchdown in the first quarter. That UTSA touchdown came in the last minute of the first quarter. Uh, so a good start. They drive down the length of the field and go for it on fourth down and they get it. And then they go for it on fourth down again. 
and they get it. So two fourth down conversions uh, before they end up going backwards and have to settle for a field goal. Uh, so that that was a moment where driving down, you get it. It's first down in the red zone. Going backwards there and only getting a field goal was kind of like a oh, man. He kind of felt like a missed opportunity there. And then Rice gets the ball again. They go down the field and get to fourth and seven. And, and Riccatelli misses a 40-yard field goal, but UAB uh, jumps offside. And so it's fourth and two on the 18 at that point, fourth on a long one maybe, and, and Rice still elects to kick the field goal. That was a moment that I'm kind of watching that, I kind of thought had things transpired differently and the offense had gotten it to fourth and two that Reich probably goes for it there. Yeah. And, and that was, a, and you know, I, 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 I can't second guess it because taking points with this defense, like, yeah, we need touchdowns. We figured that out at this point, but I, I wasn't too upset with, with settling there, but that was a moment you're 18 yards away. It's fourth and two. You've shown pretty good success with that jumbo package. And even the, the fourth down conversion on that drive uh, was a Giovanni run with uh, spreading folks out. So that worked pretty well. I thought that was an, another moment that, you know, you could put it 10 nothing and giving yourself a bit more cushion uh, ended up being six nothing. And then they, and this is after Rice controlled the ball for we didn't even mention on this because it's become and become so almost automatic. Rice had a 20-play, 12-minute drive in the first <laughs> quarter of this game. Uh, extremely Rice, yeah. That's, they did that two, a lot this year. Yeah, a couple third-down conversions and a couple fourth-down conversions. And, and I get it. People want the splashy plays. It, it, you know, when you don't have the playmakers that are healthy to do that, and you can still have a 20-play drive, like, at some point, it stops. Be, you, you have to stop complaining about that and say, okay. If you can take away a quarter of the game, that's not the worst thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's ultimately exactly how this team wants to play, right? So, you know, if you can look at big picture improvement type things, they were able to do that pretty consistently this year, even when they were limited to backups and stuff on offense. So, uh, you know, there's at least one tangible improvement on offense that persisted throughout the very abbreviated season, regardless of, of who was in a quarterback and who was in a running back and who they had a receiver. So, yeah, because last year, right, it, they, they what we saw is they could get to third down, but it was a third and long and they just they weren't converting that yeah. third and long. this year. More often than not, I mean, it was a third and three, third and four, third and two, which is exactly how this offense is supposed to function. So that that much w was good. And then you get, unfortunately, UAB gets the drive right after that. They take the lead. And then this was the point where I, I thought I thought maybe we could have had some sort of change in, in how Rice was calling the offense, because immediately you see kind of a, a switch flick and and with, well, I guess there was a what, a minute in like. 45 seconds, two minutes, something like that left on the clock. Oh, no, a minute 19. Uh, Rice, the Rice drive starts, and Giovanni marches down the field with, you know, four of five completions before, I guess five of six, sorry, 
before the Jordan Myers touchdown, no run plays called on that drive and just kind of like boom, 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 score in a minute. And at that point, I was kind of like, okay, I don't I don't think that's the right long term answer for how this offense is going to run, but maybe in the middle. Yeah, I mean, everybody at times sees their offense struggle, you know, for a whole half or a quarter or whatever, and then go into a two minute drill and drive the field and get a touchdown. And there's a very understandable impulse to be like, well, why can't we make the whole plane out of the two minute offense? Uh, and that's not <laughs> necessarily a sustainable thing. But I do think, um, you know, there were things you could have drawn from that that could have been continued in the second half that they really didn't. And if and that kind of leads to, I think if there is one thing I would point at that I would like to see the the coaching staff kind of do some soul searching on this offseason is is find a way to make this offense a little more quarterback friendly. Like this is not a simple offense, the like a lot of teams run these days. Like they have a lot of stuff in here, and when they're they're running the full spectrum of what they want to run, it asks a lot of the quarterback. Well. You know, like we said, this is now, what, three straight seasons that you've had to go at least three deep at quarterback in serious spots. Um, you know, it's great if everybody's healthy and you've got a quarterback who really knows what he's doing and you can entrust him with the full depth of this incredibly complex put playbook you want to put in. Um, right. Is this the gambler's fallacy, right? Like we, we've uh, we've gone bankrupt three straight hands. So this the fourth hand we won't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I whatever amount of money I can lay to say Rice is not getting to their third string quarterback next year through successive injuries. Like I'm willing to bet that because that just that doesn't happen two years in a row, let alone three. Like you just don't get yeah. that unlucky. Um, but regardless, I think they need a way to say if we have to go to the back up, if we have to pare things down, this is how we do that. And this is how we stay effective in those situations. Because uh, it did seem like, and yeah, like, it, you know, it, it, it may be that the, the whole thing is just a wash because, you know, what does it look like if they have to go to Giovanni, but they have Brad Rosner and they have Austin Trammell and they have Juma Odoviano and, and, yeah, and everything and, else is still in place. So, and that's my, my big question, because when the offense shift shifted, so we, what we didn't see is we never saw Giovanni with, with Austin Trammell. And we, you know, even discounting like Zane Knight never played a a snipe, never played a snap (laughs) for this team this year. Christian McStravick, the grad transfer from Boston College, never played a snap from this year, never got through camp. You know, like there were so many pieces missing that we were we Giovanni was out there with Jake Bailey and Andrew Mason. and, And that was it. And we liked their futures, but we never saw him with those weapons. So it's hard to tell. My question was, is the offense pared down because you don't have Juma and you don't have all of those pieces and it's a collective uh, conservativism or is the offense pared down because they it's a limitation from Giovanni? And and I would like to think that it was all of the pieces uh, because if, if that's the case and, and Giovanni can command this offense at full strength, I mean, we saw it on that two minute drive, right? You like you can't just run two minute the whole time like there's you, the playbook is limited and there's only so many things you can do. Uh, so that's really my my big question, because 
you know, if our, our what we thought coming into the season was like, you know, can we get a guy who can run this? And the answer is yes. And I think I've seen enough from Giovanni through two years now that like I think he can do it. I don't know if he can do it aerially as well as Mike can, but I I want to see the pieces. And if he can't, you need to find, you know, heaven forbid, Mike doesn't come back and Rice goes to grad transfer number four. Huh. Uh, although they they've upgraded each time, so at this point, like, I mean, what what's left? We've got a fringe starter at a Power Five program, uh, well, uh, Bright, uh, Ch- Bryce. Uh, Who's the guy that transferred from Duke? Oh, yeah. Chase Bryce. He's now Chase uh, Bryce. Yeah, Clemson to Duke go. to, you know, maybe he comes to Rice now. Is that I, I'm not I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm not reporting that at all. That's probably not going to happen. But I'm just saying, like, is our trajectory up? Like we went from fringe starter to full time starter, right? For a power five. That's where we're going. But <laughs> that works. Yeah. Jokes aside, if, if however it happens, that's what we need to find. Um, and I I'm. If our offense, my my offensive questions were answered this year. Can this staff do it this way? Yes, I think there's all we've all seen things that I did, I wish that this would change and look better. But I think more of those frustrations were focused on what happened in the UAB and Marshall games when they were right. with backup quarterbacks and no wide receivers left than the first half. So the closest they got to healthy, they they checked those boxes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's always refining to do, but I think we saw enough that, you know, when when they have a good quarterback, that this offense can be a real thing, which surprise that's kind of true of every single offense in college football. Um, but there definitely are ways to make systems sort of. More friendly so that you can continue to be effective uh, when you don't have top talent there uh so so maybe that's 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 some self-scouting to do but yeah no i I absolutely agree that on the whole like we saw proof of concept this year on offense in a way that we've now seen it for uh well i guess you can't say two seasons because it's really more like a season and a half (laughs) not even a season and a half but we've seen that proof of concept for now 17 games on off on defense uh and we may have only got it gotten it in two or three this year um and but can, it does can i say while we're kind of like talking offensive quarterbacks like wiley looked pretty good like he was yeah he was not the reason that rice lost this game no i mean and, and like at least giovanni had the week of practice right like yeah you can say uh, you know backups are supposed to prepare like they're the starter but and wiley wiley actually like he was he was not the backup quarterback I guess last year and this year because he's not like capable of running the offense. He would he was demoted on the depth chart because he did not make the right decisions when he was on the field. Like the the issue was was not knowing what to do. <laughs> it was executing it. So like right. he knows that I've never doubted that. I mean, he won the season opening quarterback job last year and like he's now been in the system for for three full seasons and um you know we said it before like there's a it's kind of a luxury to have a guy that has as much experience as he has and that's been in the system as long as he have as your third string quarterback um 
So yeah, I certainly wouldn't put this on him, but like he definitely got put in a really, really tough situation to have to come in there at at that time. So um Yeah. And and we've talked offense. I do want to talk defense a little bit, like you mentioned at the top. So I went back and it it felt like UAB threw for like five hundred yards and receivers were running wide open on the defense all game. Uh, it just uh, partly because we're just so not used to seeing that from this secondary. Uh, Johnston completed nine passes. Yeah. In, in, in four quarters, which 50%, nine for 18, it was those two touchdowns. He, he was not great. And, but, but the, the two passes that mattered um, ended up being really big plays. So the first pass, it was the first play right after halftime, which I, it was so big for the momentum. It was a 63-yarder, uh, just just nobody near him. And so I, I went and rewatched the play, and from what I could tell, the safety kind of crept up to a spot that was shared by a linebacker. And you see the guy on the slot uh, kind of blanketed by two guys. And so the linebacker and the safety who had dropped over are both taking the slot guy. Uh, the corner on the outside kind of takes outside leverage because he thinks he's passing the receiver onto the inside and forcing to him, him to where the deep safety is, except the deep safety has now moved in to cover the short guy on the slot. And so that's why when you saw the play and there was nobody near him, it was a bust. I, I think e either the corner should have known that he couldn't have passed him off or the safety should have been. I don't know who was wrong, but somebody uh, was wrong. And so that long touchdown from my memory, um, there were some long passing plays in the middle Tennessee game, but none that I really could think of were a bust you got he had one where like we had a, a corner trip on a touchdown pass but yeah. this was really like think back to like two seasons ago year one watching marcus stevenson just run behind the defense in the bayou bucket and then uh man Derek king was still a quarterback right and just just chuck out 70 mm -hmm. yard touchdown bombs four touchdowns in the second half and yeah that we had We've gone from that happening like three times a game to once in five games. It just really stunk that it happened right there. Uh, yeah, so that was and it's bust. like busts are frustrating um, and you, you don't want to see that. But at the same like that does just kind of happen sometimes at every it's level not of football indicative. to every defense. And yeah, it's better than like you think back to 2018 when that happened every single game. Like that was just dudes getting beat. Like. That's and, and that's, you know, busts are frustrating, but you can at least say, OK, we'll clean that up and not do it next time. If you're just getting beat, like guys are just running by you because they're faster than you are and you can't keep up like you can't really do anything about that, except except recruit better players and wait for next year. Um, and, and Which that's not, Rice that's, is doing and they were yeah. running out of players. That was. That was the problem. We didn't have Trayshawn Devones, who's arguably their best corner in either of the past two games. Yeah. And up to that point, I think Miles McCord, he'd gone well above kind of my expectations for him. Oh, yeah. Miles was season. great this year. So. It, it was frustrating, but 
if if you're going to tell me one once in five games there's a coverage bust that allows to a long touchdown, uh, I can live with that. That's uh, probably a much better rate than uh, just about every team in the country. That like once or twice in five games you get beat for a long touchdown. Like that's yeah. it's it's frustrating in the moment, but like that happens to everyone, and if it's happening as relatively infrequently as it did to Rice this year, especially with, as much, again, emphasizing how aggressive uh, on the outside this scheme is. Um, if that only happens to you once or twice every four or five games, that's that's pretty good. I mean, look at, like, and it's, well, Brian Smith it's, comes from Don Brown's scheme at Michigan. Mm-hmm. They Literally, he was Michigan's secondary coach before he came to Rice. Um, look at what happened to Michigan this year. They tried to play that scheme, and they didn't have the dudes to run it in the Big Ten, and they just got beat up and down the sideline every single game. And obviously, that's at sort of a different kind of talent strata than Rice is and, and CUSA is, but relative to the competition they're facing, Rice has the dudes on the outside that they just don't get beat like that very much, and they did it this year, and it, it it's frustrating that it... Well, and again, they didn't just get straight up get beat. It was a bust, but like. Yeah, and, and the thing is that that bust, like, George Nyakwal is supposed to be right there. Like, he's, he's supposed to. We never saw George Nyakwal at deep safety this year. And, you know, everybody has injuries, and, like, it's not an excuse. Like, the bust happened, so that, that there was a problem. Like, it, it, it didn't work. But, man, that's a guy that, like, I like he might not have the, the physical you know, traits to match up with some of the other guys on the rice defense, but, but intellectually knowing where he's supposed to be and being that captain on the field, he's, he's at, he's in the right place, like more often than not. And that's when busts don't happen when you have guys like that back there. Um, and so I didn't get a good look at, at who it was and it really doesn't matter at safety that wasn't there. Um, but you know, McCord, I think it was McCord on the outside. He passed it off knowing they were or thinking they were supposed to be there. So either McCord made a mental mistake or somebody else messed up, but yeah, it was a bust. Um, so that was one play, and that was the play that that put UAB on top, fourteen to thirteen. Uh, so still, you know, back neck and neck, and and then kind of the the frustrating one was that happened. So Rice has a three and out, uh, which you know I'm I might because I'm curious enough about this offense go back in, in the off season. I guess we are in the off season now and look at three and outs. I I would be willing to wager a large sum that the three and out percentage uh, was was minuscule this year. Even when the offense wasn't working, I, there weren't like it didn't this feel was like there were a that, lot of them. Yeah, they converted third downs and they got first downs, which <laughs> even on the bad offensive days, they just three and outs didn't happen very often. So the yeah. rare the rare and, and they were able to out. like. Last year, they were consistently in third and longs, which is not a great place to be for any offense, but especially not from one like this. But this year, when they were in third downs, and the concept of third and manageable is still something of a myth. Uh, like, it's it's generally always better to play aggressively on second and long and, and try to get the first down there than like play for third and four or third and five. But regardless of that, particularly when you're an offense like this, it's a whole lot better to be in third and three than third and eight. Uh, so just the fact that they were consistently in those third and short situations as opposed to third and long uh, was a massive improvement. 
yeah, absolutely. And and I need to qualify that three and out because this is one that I, I didn't get a good view in the stadium uh, of exactly how the pieces. So first down well, was an incomplete pass. The second down pass was the play where they tried to throw to Kobe Campbell in the slot and he got bracketed by two guys and there was a whole lot of contact. Uh, I, I didn't see, like, I don't know if it was too egregious enough to throw a flag or not. I know Rice fans were unhappy. Um, but let's pause because you are trailing for the first time in this game. The last, or I guess, no, sorry, second time. The last time UAB went down and scored a touchdown in this game, Rice turned the ball over to Giovanni and said, hey, go take us down the field. He did. So we've already we've already seen that the response mechanism is there. So in a very important drive, Giovanni throws to Kobe Campbell, who I really, really, really like Kobe. Like he's a going to be like a good kind of like, you know, gadget return guy. He's quick, has some speed around the edge. Uh, he played running back and plays running back and, and corner in, in, in high school. And he didn't play. I don't I don't know if he played it all this season, but he had zero offensive snaps where the ball was thrown his way or he touched it before this game. He was targeted twice in that game. And when you are at a spot in the game where you need somebody to come up with a big play, asking a true freshman that hasn't touched the ball at all to be that guy, that kind of highlights the problems that Rice was dealing with on offense. Like, yeah. again, it's not an excuse, but like it's second and 10. You, you're going to throw to somebody like you can't just throw to Andrew Mason, Jordan Myers and Jake Bailey all game. They mostly did, but eventually somebody else has to be targeted. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, it's just all the more frustrating to think about considering how we felt about the wide receivers in the preseason that we were like, Oh, they've got so many guys like, not all of them are going to step up, but enough of it could that this could be a really deep unit. And then coming off the last game of the year, we're talking about, oh, the freshman running back, the freshman running back who had not played a snap is now lining up at wide receiver. Uh, yeah, which is and I was kind of emblematic that. how this how this season went in terms of the depth chart for Rice. Yeah, it's true. And so that 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 penalty or I guess lack of penalty that doesn't get called. And then Rice throws to to Jordan Myers and he picks up eight. Uh, so it's ends up at fourth and two and, and, and Charlie Mendez has to punt. So that, that three and out was, you know, it, it was not the, oh man, they ran the ball twice and it was third and long and they threw it. It was like, no, like <laughs> they got to third and two and they let Giovanni go for it and they just didn't get a call, which happens. So I'm not too uptight about how that drive played out, but it was the next drive. And this was the one that kind of had the the flashback vibes of the just are they just throwing all over this defense? Like is this defense is the secondary broken? And it was second and ten. UAB had ran a couple of plays. Uh, they got a, a big conversion on the sideline uh, on third and ten. A couple plays before that, and they got a flag for holding. And actually, on the on the play, Andrew Berg got flagged for holding. I, I, I was applauding like that was a great decision because he got just <laughs> enough of Jersey on the sideline that if he doesn't hold, that's probably a long touchdown, which is exactly what you teach your corners to do is like, hey, don't yep. get beat. But if you beat, if you get beat, make sure you're giving up 10 yards and not 60. This isn't is the NFL. It's not a spot foul. Take the flag and live to play another down. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then it brings out the play we're talking about. So uh, what happens is Johnston, you know, kind of drops back and rolls out and just chucks a deep ball down the left sideline. And it was actually a really bad throw. And so I'm, I'm kind of watching this play and I went and rewatched it a couple of times. And what you're supposed to do in that situation is you throw it out in front of your guy with leverage to the outside with the corner on the inside. You, you don't there's there's room there. And he doesn't. He drops it back behind him under the corner. And so the, the receiver actually uh, kind of turns around back shoulder to grab it and McCord is on the coverage and he goes tries to go through it to the ball which is thrown low and behind the receiver he reaches over to grab the ball and with his his balance kind of tilting that way the receiver is actually able to like shoestring it grab it and fall forward into the end zone so if that ball is thrown and McCord has really good coverage he's right there step for step with him if that ball is thrown where it's supposed to be thrown then it's probably knocked down at worst, um, but because it was a such a bad throw in the position, that's kind of why it ended the way it did. And so it was it was really strange there. But that was one. So the first touchdown pass was a bust, which the secondary somebody messed up. The second one was just weird, bad luck. Like he was a bad throw and pretty good coverage. And occasionally that happens. The fact that those two plays happened back to back in like a three minute period after not happening yeah. all year on this secondary. Uh, sometimes it, it, that happens. It was like one of those, if you, I, if you've been watching football for very long, you've, you've seen one of those deeply frustrating plays where uh, a corner, a cornerback is in good coverage one-on-one -on -one down the field and the quarterback badly underthrows the ball and the receiver comes back through it and basically runs into the DB who then gets called for pass interference. And it's horrible because like, you're sitting there thinking, like, if the quarterback had just thrown the ball well, our guy would have broken it up. But instead, he gets a penalty. He gets bailed out by the for the quarterback throwing a, a terrible ball. And this was like the the next level disaster version of that, which is. Yeah. And that 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 was honestly, that was it. Like at that point, the offense like UAB had done their damage and had their points. And and Rice kind of struggled on offense. And Giovanni uh, gets gets hurt shortly after that um and you know that's at that point we're just kind of like it just how it happened but i think you know just you can't just chalk it up to bad luck on defense but if you're gonna like i think it was the opposite of the luck that they got in the marshall game right like there yeah. was a rice got some bounces on defense that worked out favorably in the marshall game and they didn't they didn't really get those against UAB and I mean it's interesting because I you want to you want to call it two touchdowns and, and this is kind of I was trying to kind of like piece through this season and I'm like okay change the spread of every game by two touchdowns you know take two touchdowns away from Rice or give two touchdowns away from their opponent what changes and their two wins against Southern Miss and Marshall they don't change because Rice won both of those games by three scores, if not more, if you want to go with the Jake Bailey fumble into the end zone. Like, it was still a 20 nothing spread, but if you get yeah. two touchdowns in either any of the other games, uh, those are ball games, and the, the games could have gone either way. Rice didn't get that 
they got they got that two touchdown luck in the Marshall game, maybe, and maybe they didn't need it. Like Rice probably could have won that game 20 to 14, 20 to 17, mm-hmm. 17, 14. Like the defense was playing that well that even if Grant Wells had had two Hail Mary like long touchdowns, Rice still probably could have won that game. Uh, it, it, they they weren't playing well enough on defense that they could overcome those hiccups and, and the UAB game. But I don't I don't really think the defensive performance as a whole, uh, like it was not as good, but it wasn't like I don't know, like oh no, I mean, man, I can't believe it. In a while, and I mean, in a lot of ways, it was like the like the North Texas game, like the defense wasn't perfect, and they gave up some plays they shouldn't have, but. On the flip side, it was it was not their fault that they lost this game. So, yeah, it is what it is. If if one of four bounces off an upright or a crossbar goes a different <laughs> way, and if one of those long passes from UAB falls incomplete, uh, we're sitting here previewing a CUSA championship game. So, not wild. Yeah. Uh, the it's ball bounce is weird and and causes a lot of strange things to happen, even in a normal season and and this year of all years. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and if we, I guess we can we can step back like that. The, the game was as it was. I think it was, it was. If you would have said the same result with a fully healthy UAB team, it would probably be a bit easier to swallow. Uh, the fact that they were so beat up. Uh, was one thing, but I, I think as if people that have gone through Rice football the last three years, if we haven't learned anything, it's the difference a quarterback makes. And man, Rice, because Rice proved Rice played this season without four or five of their top wide receivers, and they played this season without like half a secondary, if that. Like Rice proved that you can still play at a high level and win football games without a wide receiving core and without a secondary, which is a lot of pieces <laughs> to be missing and important pieces. You would think you would need yeah. like the, like Gabe Taylor and um, uh, I guess who at, at corner, Sean fresh, Sean fresh started, yeah. started a game like true freshmen, like even as highly regarded as they were, the plan is not to have them starting out of the gates. And that's what was happening for this team. And they still like the defense was great. Like, I think I don't think maybe that's too much. The defense was really good. Like, I wasn't I was very happy with how the defense played this year. Uh, they gave up uh, 40 points in overtime uh, in a, a game that was helped by some offensive turnovers. They gave up 27 to North Texas. They gave up 21 to UAB and then shut out Marshall and allowed six points to Southern Miss. So what is that? What is that defensive? I should have that right now. What is the defensive average there for, for points per game? Because I, I feel like that's got to be better than where it was, right? Um, Scoring defense. Rice averaged yeah. 18.8 points per game allowed this year, last year, Rice, oh, Rice was at 25.9. So the Rice defense, even with a double overtime shootout against uh, Middle Tennessee, was a touchdown better than they were the year before. And if you want to go back one more year, 
they were allowing 36 points a game. Uh, so, so yeah, so if we keep this up, they'll be at what, like uh, 13, 14 points per game next year? 36, 26, 19. Yeah, you'd be at about 13 points a game, which would put you right on par with Marshall as the best in the conference. So yeah, like defensively this year, you tell me that you can lose your entire safety, your entire, well, all, basically all of your safeties. You can lose your entire secondary and... With all the injuries, like Trey Schumann was was in and out a lot this year. Um, he's a guy that's had some injury problems in his, his career, but and it Kenna and a Chukwu was was pretty good. Kenneth Orgy missed time. So many guys out and in, but man, Elijah Garcia and Braylon Carroll. Uh, I think we talked yeah. about this in, in the last podcast. They're so fun, man. I I love watching them up front. So uh, defense this year. Uh, my my main takeaway was. Uh, back up the Brinks truck and pay Brian Smith anything. Yeah. Like he showed he doesn't need players <laughs> to like do he, this. I, I don't know what, it, I don't know. And maybe I jinxed him because right after I tweeted, this was when the long touchdown started to happen for UAB. So it's but your like, fault. We needed somebody. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know how, like, they did not have any of the starters they were supposed to have going into the season for every game this year. And several, a couple of them were gone the entire season. And you remember Tyre Thornton opted out? Yeah. Like yeah. in August. <laughs> um, and somehow they still got stellar play out of the secondary almost every week. Like, I don't, I don't even know how you do that. That's, that's insane. Particularly, particularly in a scheme like this. Yeah. And the touchdowns, we talked about the bus, but for the most part, the touchdown passes, that were thrown. Oh, so okay. I'm actually thinking about this now. Were earned. Like yeah. Astro Harris touchdown passes. It's a good quarterback, and I think he threw a couple in that game. They were good touchdowns. You had one guy fall down uh, <laughs> to to get that one. Uh, but I, I'm kind of going through the only touchdown pass thrown in the North Texas game. Uh, Jalen Darden made a, a freshman uh, defensive back like dance and, and look silly and newsflash Jalen Darden 19 touchdowns this year extremely good what was it nine games how many did North I think it was nine like he's gonna get drafted in the NFL I can live with that uh easily no touchdowns allowed in Southern Miss no touchdowns allowed to Marshall and we went through the two touchdown passes allowed to UAB and so if you're saying in five games the touchdowns scored against you were an NFL caliber wide receiver beat a freshman I can live with that. Uh, two games with no touchdown passes thrown against you. And, and then a, a bust, a trip, and then a guy who was in the running to be the Conference USA uh, quarterback of the year. One of one, He only threw touchdown, two touchdowns. One of them was a trip, and the other one was a pretty good throw. Uh, so, yeah, like this defense was really good, and, and nobody could run on them either. So, like, the quarterbacks weren't finding success against them at all. Uh, Rice ended up fourth in conference. Oh, wow. Fourth in conference USA, allowing 140.8 yards per game on the ground. Uh, UTEP allowed 140.4, but that's because you could throw all over UTEP. <laughs> um, so, and, and, and UAB at 138.8. So, you give Mike Collins or Giovanni completes another couple passes and Rice's. Marshall was the only one that had a, a great, 
great run defense. They average 73, and I'll take 140 uh, when most of the conference is allowing 160, 180, 200 plus. Yeah, so, that'll do. Was there what, what? What was the worst? Like, do we have a hangup with any defensive performance or aspect of this defense this year? I'm really struggling. Ah, uh, not real. I mean, they were they were scratchy at times against Middle Tennessee, but that's not really surprising given the circumstances. And after that, uh, six points, twenty-seven points, zero points, twenty-one points. Uh, you know, even just on the the barest, most surface level results, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I I guess if there's anything that I I'm still wanting, and maybe I, I'm I am getting greedy now. Um, I'll mm-hmm. admit that uh, it's turnovers. They had the five turnover, five interception game against Marshall, uh, but they had four turnovers forced in their other four games. Yeah, which won a game. Uh, I mean, you're looking at a defense last year that forced 11 turnovers in 12 games. So one that's actually roughly on par with where they were last year, except they had one game this year where everything worked out. The year before, uh, 19 turnovers forced in 13 games. So this is a defense that's... And, you know, honestly, if you're averaging one turnover forced a game, uh, it's probably at least as much the offense making mistake as you taking advantage of it. It's right. only once you and it's it's fluky. So like you're going to get some bounces, you would think forward. But that's that's the one part that I want to see. I, I, I like the coverage and I think the coverage is good enough that when they have their safeties there that they want, they're going to get a couple of those. Um, yeah, I, I, I well, and and even if, you know, we'll see how things go going forward about who chooses to use. I, like, I don't know what Rice's policy will be on that. Like if if guys who would have been seniors that get an extra year of eligibility, how many of them come back, if they can come back, like what, what the deal's good with that going to be. But even if uh, none of the guys, none of the guys that could come back do, um, you're still getting back everybody that played significant time in the secondary. Like the only seniors in the secondary are Naeem Smith and George Nyakwal. George didn't play this year and Naeem got two games. Yeah. And you know how to pick six in his like fourth or fifth series since back this season. Which, you know, he he was the one that got a yard short the year before. So at this point, if he was a yard <laughs> short two years ago, he got the pick six this year, then next year. Uh, if he comes back, he's due for two, two pick sixes. Yeah. So we'll we'll save that for, you know, a game, a UAB game where you get a, a bad fluke the other way. We'll, we'll just cash <laughs> that in. That's how it works. Right. Um, but yeah, and, and I think it's going it, to it'll make we'll kind of be able to parse through may. I, I don't know what the time frame is there. Bloomgren has said that, you know, if, if they come, if it makes sense for both parties, they want to come back uh, that Rice would love to have them. Obviously, most of the. There haven't been a bunch of seniors. There weren't a bunch of seniors on this roster that I don't want to say like roster cloggers that that type, you know, like, right. There weren't any of those guys. The seniors that were here played pretty important roles were either starters or or depth pieces like uh, Andrew Tesengios was a, a grad transfer tight end. I, I don't think we've mentioned him on this podcast yet. He got a, a scout team player of the week. This year he came in knowing knowing he wasn't going to really play and he was going to be a scout team guy and like he was uh, like a part and and helped Rice prepare and like if that's like if that's like the the bottom tier of senior like you're doing pretty good um 
they've done a, a really great job with this roster. So we'll get to those pieces there. But yeah, I mean, all told, like the worst. And we said this two years ago. We said the worst thing that happened in 2018 was all of these young guys. The, the worst positive. What am I trying to say? The positive from all the bad was that all of these young guys got playing time and they're going to get better. And we yeah. saw that. And it's it's happening again <laughs> this time unintentionally. And like it's amazing, and obviously we'll cover this more when we we do you know long term previews of next year. But like it's amazing to still look back at the depth chart for this year and just see redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, junior, redshirt shoot. Like there's so many guys who have played roles on this team for a while now who are still sophomores and juniors, eligibility wise. Like yeah. this is. In the next couple years, um, you know, in terms of the way rosters line up uh, for teams like Rice, because, you know, you, you not everyone can be in those situations where you're just reloading with great experience, with great new talent every time, and you can survive any level of turnover. Like for most teams, you have to be in a situation where the talent kind of lines up and you get the right amount of experience and the right guys at the right time. Um the next two years in terms of the roster for Rice are going to be that time because they're going to have a lot of guys who have played a lot of football. Yeah. And then we, we, I guess when, before we get there, I, I do want to share a last couple closing thoughts on uh, the offense as a whole. I, I should have gone back and looked at our, our notes of, of what our expectations were and what we need to see to see how we, uh, I guess, have we done too much homework. I mean, this is a rush podcast, right? We were supposed to do. Should we have done some homework? <laughs> Man, maybe not. Uh, we'll see. We got we got more for you guys. Don't worry. Uh, but offensive wise, um, you give the wide receiver core a mulligan. Yeah, because I think going into the year, as we kind of knew people were hurt, I, I watched Austin Trammell during fall camp and I was like, this guy is a monster. He's really good. He's better than we thought he was like. And he was like. He had five touchdowns and 200 receiving yards in the span of like five or six quarters between the end of the uh, Middle Tennessee game and the start of the Southern Miss game. Like pretty good. Unreal. Fantastic. Uh, and then the rest of the wide receiver core. I, I, I liked a lot of what I saw from Jake Bailey. People mm -hmm. kept telling me during fall camp and this is, you know. They're like, Bailey's going to be really good. And I'm like, I mean, sure, but Austin Trammell is on the field, and unless Bailey's going to line up on the outside, uh, he's not going to play. <laughs> Silly me <laughs> saying this in September. And sure enough, yeah, Bailey was lining up on the outside, and uh, he played a lot, and he looked he looked really good at times. And he got he got nicked up at the Marshall game, and I, I reported this for I put it for the subscribers and I talked about it. I said he didn't practice the beginning of the week against UAB and I didn't know if he was going to play. Um, and he did end up going against UAB, you know, presumably at less than a hundred percent after missing practice and, and played well and, and gave this offense opportunity. Like when Wiley green was driving at the end of the game, I don't know what the UAB secondary was doing because they were all of these underneath crossing routes and out patterns to, to Bailey. And that was it. And they still let Green like drive from like the 20 yard line to, to the 45 before sack. 
So I, I was I was I liked a lot of what I saw from the receivers who were there. Right. It's just a uh, very much an incomplete in terms of uh, who they thought they would have. Yeah, and if Mike doesn't overthrow Andrew Mason in the Middle Tennessee game, he's the one that gets that touchdown to force overtime. Yeah, and and we feel pretty good about that. So yeah, check there. Uh, this is going to be forever. Like I know you're a big fan of the bar trivia scene. This is your <laughs> this is your bar trivia rice football stat for the ages. Uh, the old, last season that Rice had without a rushing touchdown scored by a running back was oh 2020. I mean, oh, I, I thought <laughs> because, you meant. Before, I thought you meant. Yeah, before. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna go I, since you know since running the football was kind of the mo back in the day. You'd probably have to go back to like the 20s. The last time Rice didn't score at all in the 20s was probably the last time they didn't have a rushing touchdown yeah. from running back. That used to be kind of how it goes. But yeah, Jordan Myers being the only runner to score a a touchdown for Rice this year, uh, <laughs> coming in December. Just weird. Extremely weird. That was one thing that if I'm if I'm critiquing the the healthy pieces of the offense, I kind of want to see more from the offensive line. We didn't really see. I don't know what the longest run from scrimmage this year might have been like twenty five yards, and it, yeah. I think it was Giovanni if that was the case. I think Kalen Griffin had a twenty yarder against Middle Tennessee, but we didn't have we there was explosive runners. Like Kalen and Juma, when they were like both out there, like they can they can break plays. I mean, we've seen Juma do it, yeah. have 60, 70, 80 yard touchdowns. That was kind of the, the part about this offense that I think like they got better, like they were more efficient. Like we talked about, they were in third and short a lot, uh, but there weren't really. And part of that was Mike being really good and they didn't need 30 yard runs because they were getting 30 yard passes, which is fine. But that's kind of if I'm if I'm nitpicking, you know, what was healthy and, and didn't really impressed me that was probably it yeah that's um you know this offensive line gets back most of its pieces next year uh, should return every end of the year starter except for maybe javon wolford um and that's not you know there were improvements from last year i would say but it's definitely an area you know uh, that's that's bloom's specialty like that's his bread and butter that's it. that's how he came up as a coach like that's something that I think is kind of under pressure for next year to say that this is a group that, you know, they get everybody back. And and when you're going to have as many guys that have, had, have as many starts as this group does, um, it's time for them to really start to be one of the better units in the conference. Uh, yeah, that's, it, that's something you really want to see for next year. And outside of the North Texas game, when Dion Noville apparently had the best game of his season like talking with north texas yeah. before and after they're like yeah i mean i guess he could do it but what um outside of that game like pass protection looked looked pretty good mm -hmm. i thought compared to years past even even last year when they brought in all the grad transfers i think protection wise they looked pretty good and i think putting isaiah floyd in there at the end of the season man he was he was pretty good and i liked what i saw from him he's the, the only i guess the only 300 pound guy on the line right a bunch of guys at like 290 or, yeah. or thereabouts. But yeah, they, having him with, with in-game, it was a red shirt. He played, you know, he started two games. So yeah, that I'd, I'd like to see more there. Um, tight end is, I guess, depends on who's coming back. We didn't really see much Jack Bradley in the second half of the season. 
because uh, he was, yeah. you know, built playing out of Jordan Myers, <laughs> which is fine because Jordan literally can do everything. Uh, but yeah, Jack Bradley, I want to see more of him. I liked what I saw when he was on the field. Um, they got a, they got a really good tight end room, a really good tight end room. And that was part of the reason they were they were able to function. How many offenses in the country could like basically be in one score games at worst all season without any wide receivers and say, hey, you got to play three wide receivers most of the game. Rice did that pretty well. Yeah, uh, in some ways, it's as disappointing as the offensive results were at, to- at times at the end. Like, you you know, it's it's almost kind of amazing that it wasn't worse at times. So it felt like they, they did a lot with what they had at times. And, you know, if they can ever get to the point where they actually have all those pieces together at once, then uh, then things could be pretty good. But. Yeah, I mean, if I'm giving if I'm giving the defense a. I'm give the defense an A plus. Honestly, oh yeah. If I'm giving the defense an A plus, I'm going to give the offense a, a, maybe not an incomplete, maybe a B minus. I yeah. think like when the pieces are there, like, yeah, like it was really good. I was really happy, um, but it was not fully consistent. But if you have an off a defense firing at an A plus, like if you get and if you get a B minus offense every game, you're going to win most of them. And that's the thing. If this were a 12 game season and Rice got to play UTEP and Lamar. And after watching what, wins. Yeah. what what East Carolina did to SMU, like. You know, we said going into the season that there wasn't any game on their schedule, and this was before Marshall and UAB were scheduled, that, that Rice was obviously not going to be able to contend with. And I think that's true if you add back the Louisiana Tech, the UTSA game, uh, Army, like if you add those games back, and I think you're still looking at a team that finished two and three this year with the two of their losses, they were literally a bounce or a play away, UAB and and Middle Tennessee. If you're going to sh- shoot out the North Texas game and said, yeah, they, just, they got beat, that happens. Unless you're Alabama, that happens. <laughs> um but yeah, for, the, for if you extrapolate that over a 12 game season and you're looking at kind of where we thought they were, honestly, probably you're talking about a team that's that probably finds the it ends up somewhere in the six win ish territory. And we, no, neither of us, I would have not projected a win over UAB or Marshall, like you said. And so the fact that you would have got a shutout victory over either of those and been one bad play away from beating the other. uh, Definitely on schedule. At least. Yeah, it's it's. It's so hard to know what this team would have been if the year had been a normal one, but I think there are a lot of signs that say they probably would have been or would have been very close to being bowl eligible this year. Um, and that is what the goal was, you know, from our side, at least coming in. And, you know, it's it's a weird situation to be going into next year without having that kind of concrete data point of this year to to, fee- to feel out where you are. But 
I think if you you dig a little deeper into the layers and sift through all the injuries and stuff, there's there's a lot of reason to to think they can be even better next year. Yeah, and if we even like you can't take the Middle Tennessee game away, but if you give them a Lamar game before that and they just play like a little bit cleaner, like just marginally cleaner, or they get the quadruple doink to go in. Like like, yeah, like I don't think be nice. beating Middle Tennessee was like that much of a stretch like you play that game out a hundred times like rice is winning at least 50 like from what we see especially with mike uh if you give that game back then this is a bowl team like at at three and two like they would have gotten a slot and probably would be playing in frisco i think uh, this week and so if if that is your 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 margin for making this year a bowl season then you know obviously it if you sit and look at this, this you know, you say two and three, and and that's it. You kind of undersell how how this team played, um, which I I I hate that I'm saying that again. Like I'm really really upset. Yeah, that I have to say that. Um, but you're talking in, in 2018. This is a team that was routinely outscored by two touchdowns. Like just could not compete on either side of the ball to the degree that they needed to to last year coming up short again and again until the switch flicked. And actually, even if you considered last the end of last year and then this year, they go two and three this year. They won the last three games of last year. And so that's five and three over an eight game sample size, which a season is 12. You take five and three, you put that over twelve, and that gets you to seven and five. I mean, hey, eight, that's eight a four. that's a conference schedule right there, and that's five and three and, in conference. Which and is, eight and four could have won you the West. Yeah. So, yeah, all, I, all things considered, I, I'm, 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 I'm content, if not happy, at, at kind of how everything played out. I think things went, considering there was a pandemic. And Lord, I hope I'm not sitting in a stadium when a game is canceled again. That was honestly the worst. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, hopefully the only thing it. we're keeping from this year is the knowledge that college football games don't have to be scheduled five, five to 15 years in advance. Other than that, just just throw it all out. Yeah. And find a way to play Houston. Although I will say I was most upset that and everybody was, I think that Rice had to go to Marshall like that. Just the game still doesn't make any logistically logistical sense as why that happened. Yeah, but but thanks. I'm not going to complain about it yeah. now. <laughs> no backsies. Yeah, at this point, Rice owns Marshall and it's great. And the crowd in Huntington can fight us, I guess. But. We'll just hold up, hold up zeros. <laughs> that was a fun one. I'm glad that we got it. it. We we earned it for as much like COVID junk as Rice fought through. And and still, and this was the the part that we kind of just gloss over. Rice canceled zero games because of COVID problems at at Rice. Yep. Which that that in itself is is crazy and actually if you're going to look Western Kentucky uh, was the only school in Conference USA other than Rice that didn't lose a single game because they had an issue and had to cancel. 
Rice postponed their season two weeks. Uh, but once they started playing, Rice never had an issue that forced a game to get canceled. Western Kentucky played 11 games. Rice just got unlucky that they were the ones that their opponents had the issues at that bad time. So, so weird. A lot of things didn't go right, didn't go the right way for Rice this year. And they still had a pretty good year. Yep. Well, it was what it was. I guess there were there were good things and bad things, but uh, <laughs> we, always... yeah, we could have skipped an hour of talking if we just stopped there. <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, there, there, there you go. Um, but there was a lot to unpack. I feel like it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, y'all can tell us. Uh, but as ever in college football, it's 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 on to the next year, on to the next group. Um, so we've got we've got a a signing day to pre to. To talk about, uh, we've got to one one last look back at this year for the Roosties, and then we'll maybe have a little more content looking ahead to next year. Uh, so look forward to that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we will be back and rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.